MSW Media. Thanks to Dame for supporting the Daily Beans. Get 10% off your first order at dameproducts.com when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at checkout. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. Today, the Fulton County DA has subpoenaed the Georgia Attorney General to testify in her investigation of Donald's 2020 election interference. Michael Sussman has been acquitted by a jury in under six hours. The Supreme Court has asked clerks for their phone records in the investigation into the leak of Alito's draft decision overturning Roe. And Peter Navarro has filed a lawsuit after receiving a federal grand jury subpoena. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. I was very happy to wake up to a lot of this news today, Dana. And no, it was nice to hear a little bit of good news and all of this shit show. Yeah, we did need it. And uh, so we're going to go through these good news stories. I've got some super space beans to throw around. And then we're going to go through the good news because that's what we do. So I'm excited about that. Let's uh, yeah, I'm just so excited. Let's jump in. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So the headline reads, Durham fails first courtroom test in his three year probe. This is from NPR. A jury in Washington, D.C. has acquitted lawyer Michael Sussman on a single charge of lying to the FBI, dealing a very embarrassing blow to the three year bullshit investigation by special counsel, which I put in quotes, John Durham. Jurors deliberated for about six hours, spread over two days before delivering a unanimous verdict to a courtroom filled with the defendant's family and members of the news media. The jury forewoman, who didn't give her name, told reporters outside the courthouse, I think we could have spent our time more wisely. (laughs) (laughs) You think? This was a huge waste of time. It didn't pan out in the government's favor, and that's on them, she also said. Durham's team was disappointed, but respected the jury's decision. He said, I also want to recognize and thank the investigators and the prosecution team for their dedicated efforts in seeking truth and justice in this case. The Trump administration appointed Durham to probe the oranges of the FBI's investigation into possible links between Trump and Russia. This case amounted to the first courtroom test for Durham, a prosecutor known for going after mobsters and corrupt public officials. But his now three-year-long probe has not uncovered explosive evidence of wrongdoing. It hasn't even uncovered, like, those cap gun things. Uh, evidence of like like, it just there's nothing here instead this case the fbi was cast as a victim sussman told reporters outside the courthouse that he told the truth to the fbi and the jury clearly recognized that with their unanimous verdict today he went on to say despite being falsely accused i'm relieved that justice ultimately prevailed in this case it has been a difficult year for him and his family his lawyers sean berkowitz and michael bosworth from the law firm latham and watkins who i texted and tweeted on many occasions, went further in a statement saying the verdict sends an unmistakable message to anyone who cares to listen. Politics is no substitute for evidence and politics has no place in our system of justice. Ha ha. This two week trial featured witnesses with prominent political ties, including Mark Elias, former Clinton campaign manager, Robbie Mook, and uh, several former FBI and Justice Department officials who served key roles in 2016. 
Quote, we're not here to relitigate the 2016 election, Judge Christopher Cooper told the jury pool. Donald Trump is not on trial. Hillary Clinton is not on trial. But Durham's special counsel team had argued Sussman wanted to deliver an October surprise that could change the outcome of the presidential election six years ago, <laughs> which is dumb because, I, you know, I have news for Durham. The FBI knew that Sussman was working with the Clinton campaign and therefore <laughs> didn't do a very thorough investigation and also had the New York Times Lichtblau hold a story on it while they looked into it. So the Clinton campaign didn't get what they wanted out of the deal, which was to get it into the press. And the FBI knew Sussman was working for the Clinton campaign and Jaffe. So anyway, the single criminal count stemmed from a meeting Sussman brokered with James Baker. That was the FBI general counsel in September of 2016, just weeks before the election. Sussman was accused of lying to Baker about whether he appeared on behalf of Democratic clients, including the Clinton campaign or a tech executive named Rodney Jaffe. Quote, no one's to be so privileged as to be able to walk into the FBI and lie for political ends. That's what prosecutor Britton Shaw told the jury. The FBI should never be used as a political pawn. In the months after the trial, prosecutors belatedly asked Baker to sift through his electronics for relevant evidence. Baker found a text from Sussman who typed that he was coming in on his own, not on behalf of any client or company. Because the material was discovered so late, Sussman faced only a charge of lying about their in-person meeting the following day. On that essential question, Baker took no notes from the meeting, offered inconsistent testimony over the years. Defense lawyers pointed out that on the witness stand, uh, his, his shit's been inconsistent. And Baker said he failed to remember things 116 times. Okay. Quote, do you think Sussman would throw his career away, his life away to tell a lie to that guy? <laughs> Asked defense attorney <laughs> Bosworth. Prosecutors produced a Staples receipt for thumb drives. They said Sussman had billed to the Clinton campaign, as well as a calendar entry uh, and other bills from Perkins Coie, the law firm where the defendant worked until his indictment. The defense focused on taxi receipts, apparently to and from the FBI meeting, which Sussman had not billed to clients <laughs> with Democratic ties. The case had been closely watched as the first courtroom test for the Durham probe launched by former Attorney General Bill Barr amid hostile tweets from Trump about the investigation into Russia's election interference. Durham secured a guilty plea from an FBI lawyer who ultimately avoided prison time. Another one of his cases is scheduled to go to trial in October in Virginia. That's against Igor Danchenko, a Russian guy and a former think tank employee who faces five charges for allegedly lying to the FBI. Danchenko, who is fighting the charges, is accused of lying about the sources of the information he provided to Steele, Christopher Steele, who authored the Steele dossier. What's more interesting is that we learned over the course of the trial that the FBI did not do a thorough investigation of the Alpha Bank server because Sussman worked for the Clinton campaign. That's the real story. The statute of limitations has expired, but Durham shit the bed, not only by losing, <laughs> but by showing the FBI probably shouldn't have dismissed the data so brashly. Also, he's not fit to be special counsel anyway. So, I mean, like, special counsels can only be appointed from outside of the government, and he was working for the government at the time. Nobody seems to be talking about that. I know Empty Wheel brought it up. And uh, Dirk Schwank, a lawyer on Twitter, said that coming, uh, the, the special counsel is, I think, funded every year, and that funding approval is coming up in, a, in I think, in August, which might be a good off-ramp for Garland to stop funding this bullshit thing, but we'll see. It seems like it would be. All right, AG, thank you. And uh, the Supreme Court officials are escalating their search for the source of the leaked draft opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade, taking steps to require law clerks, law clerks to provide cell phone records and sign affidavits. Three, this is from three sources with knowledge of the efforts. That's what they told CNN. 
Now, some clerks are apparently so alarmed over this move, particularly the sudden request for private cell phone data, that they've begun exploring whether to hire outside counsel for themselves. Now, the court's moves are unprecedented and the most striking development to date in the investigation into who might have provided Politico with the draft opinion it published on May 2nd. The probe has intensified the already high tensions at the Supreme Court, where the conservative majority is poised to roll back half a century of abortion rights and privacy protections. Now, Chief Justice John Roberts met with law clerks as a group after the breach. Then this is what CNN learned, but it's not known whether any systematic individual interviews have occurred. Now, the Supreme Court did not respond to CNN's request on Monday for comment related to the phone searches and affidavits. The younger lawyers selected to be law clerks each year are regarded as the elite of the elite. Like each justice typically hires four. Now, they are overwhelmingly graduates of Ivy League law schools and have been, they've had prior clerkships with predominant U.S. uh, appellate court judges. Their one-year service becomes a golden ticket to prestigious law firms, top government jobs, or professorships. Now, six of the current nine Supreme Court justices are actually former clerks. So it's a really important position, and they're about to find out if one of these clerks had anything to do with it. So, Yeah, I wonder what happens when they find out it wasn't a clerk. I know. No (laughs) shit. (laughs) I imagine I would just be saying to the clerks, hey, we're just trying to make sure you didn't. We're pretty sure you didn't. We're just trying to exactly here. We're just trying to narrow it right down to Jenny. Yeah. (laughs) Beep boop. Uh, Next up, former Trump White House official Peter Navarro has been subpoenaed by the Justice Department as part of the probe into the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol by the pro-Trump mob. Navarro, who was a trade advisor to Trump, revealed the subpoena Tuesday in a lawsuit he filed against House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the bipartisan House Committee investigating the attack. Now, this opening salvo here, Dana, where it says, this is a part of a probe into the January 6th attack. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's it because we've recently got a copy of the subpoena and I'll talk about that in a second. Okay. But in his lawsuit, Navarro says, on May 26, 2022, two FBI special agents banged loudly on my door in the early morning hours to present me with a fruit of the poisonous tree. Oh, for God's sake. A grand jury subpoena <laughs> commanding me to comply with the original subpoena issued to me by the committee. <laughs> Dated February 9th, 10th. That's not what the fucking subpoena says, Pete. Andrew and I will go over this bonkers lawsuit, by the way, in detail next week on Cleanup on All 45. But Navarro's case was randomly assigned to District Judge Randolph Moss, a 2014 Obama appointee who served in the Clinton Justice Department from 96 to 2001, including as head of the Office of Legal Counsel, Dana, where he reconfirmed the 1973 Office of Legal Counsel memo that said you can't indict a sitting president. And he was doing that when Clinton was president. The January 6th committee subpoenaed Navarro in February, asking for records and testimony from him, who uh, he's written and publicly discussed the effort to develop a strategy. You know, the Green Bay sweep that he talked about on Ari Melber's show. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the actual subpoena. We've, all, we've seen it now. There's, there's no statute mentioned in the subpoena, which is weird. Usually they say pursuant to this law. All it says is all documents relating to the subpoena dated February 9th, 2022 that you received from the House Select Committee to investigate January 6th, including but not limited to any communications with former President Trump and or his counsel or representatives. It doesn't say any. That's it. That's the whole subpoena. It doesn't say anywhere in there demanding that he appear before the 1-6 committee. It just says we want all documents relating to your 1-6 committee subpoena, including communications with the former president and his buddies. 
Now, a couple of major standout things here. The mention of Trump. This was issued out of a D.C., out of the D.C., Matthew Graves, U.S. Attorney's Office, not Maine Justice. So it's about Navarro's contempt case, I think. But why would the Department of Justice need Navarro's communications with Trump while investigating his contempt? Contempt is whether you showed up or not. Yeah. And Navarro is a target in the contempt case, and you usually don't subpoena a target. So that makes it appear to me that this is a subpoena to Navarro as a witness in a case against Trump that has to do somehow with Navarro's congressional contempt. So this made me think of how the DOJ went and got Bannon's lawyer's phone and email records. Costello is Bannon's lawyer. Mm -hmm. And they did it without telling Costello about it, probably under 18 U.S. Code 2703 C3, which says a government entity receiving records or information under this subsection is not required to provide notice to the subscriber or customer. So why did Bannon not get a subpoena and Navarro did? Maybe because communications with the president are harder to get via Rule 2703? I don't know. I really don't know. I honestly don't. But what's clear is the DOJ wants information about what Donald and Costello advised Navarro and Bannon about defying subpoenas. Absolutely. It's of note that in the Costello probe, the Bannon-Costello probe, Politico said, quote, it's not immediately clear from Bannon's filing whether efforts to obtain Costello's records are connected to Bannon's case. Same here. It's not clear whether the effort to obtain Trump's communication is part of Navarro's case. Or is it something else entirely? Dana, remember how the Mueller investigation had two main parts? It had the Trump-Russia part and the obstruction of the Trump-Russia part? Absolutely. Volume one, Trump-Russia. Volume two, obstruction of my investigation into Trump-Russia. I couldn't help but wonder. 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 And I wonder... Is the DOJ investigating obstruction of the 1-6 investigation to include the Congressional Committee? Could that be why they wanted Costello's records about advising Bannon and now Trump's records related to Navarro's committee subpoena? It's also of note that the woman who signed the subpoena, on uh, it's Matthew Graves, his office, but the woman who signed it, who's doing this, which is from a different grand jury, by the way, than, the, than some of the other stuff. Her name is Liz Alloy. And Empty Wheel says she's a flipping specialist. Ooh, me likey. Yeah, me likey. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Me likey. We'll find out, I'm sure. All right. AG, an Atlanta area prosecutor investigating the former guy. His efforts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results has subpoenaed State Attorney General Chris Carr. That's according to a copy of the subpoena obtained by CNN. Now, the subpoena, which calls for Carr to testify in late June, was first reported by the Associated Press. In December 2020, Trump phoned Carr, and he warned him not to rally other Republicans to oppose a lawsuit Trump's allies had filed with the Supreme Court seeking to toss millions of votes from Georgia and other battleground states that Joe Biden won. Well, Carr later filed a response with the Supreme Court urging the justices to reject the Trump-backed lawsuit. A day later, the Supreme Court rejected the lawsuit. (laughs) I know. Now, investigators led by Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, they've been digging into whether Trump's efforts to pressure Georgia officials to upend the election results uh, may have been criminal. Uh, They were. 
A special grand jury seated in the case is expected to begin hearing from witnesses this week. The car subpoena was one of several issued to Georgia officials as Willis's team has ramped up its investigative activity. CNN previously reported that half a dozen, half a dozen current and former officials in Georgia's Secretary of State's office, including Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, they've all been subpoenaed. Now, the special grand jury has broad investigative powers, including the ability to subpoena witnesses and documents, but it does not issue indictments. That's very important, everyone. Now, when it concludes its work, what it's going to do, it's going to issue a report with recommendations on whether Willis should pursue criminal charges against Trump or any of his allies. And I can guarantee we've had some screwy shit in other states. (laughs) If they find that she can press charges, I promise you Willis is going to pursue charges against Trump. This is a no-brainer on this, and this is a quote. In a perfect world, uh, it'd be done in the next 60 to 90 days. And that's what Willis told the New York Times last week. But I live in an imperfect world. She wants to nail his ass to the wall. She's been working very hard to do so. And as you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday, June 1st, Brad Raffensperger is testifying to the grand jury today. As we speak. Or maybe in a little bit. I don't know how early you listen. And it's of note. A lot of people are like, oh, well, if he gets convicted in Georgia, the Republican governor will just pardon him. First of all, I want to remind everyone that the Republican governor is either, well, the governor is either going to be Kemp or Abrams. And we know how Kemp feels about Trump. Mm -hmm. Second of all, in Georgia, that doesn't matter. The governor doesn't pardon people. There's a pardoning board that you have to go through. So not as simple as, as all that. So very interesting, uh, very legal, very cool. Um, I can't wait to see what comes out of that. Uh, again, she's my lead horse. The, the, the Fulton County DA investigation is my... 100%. Although the DOJ is catching up, I think. All right. We are going to uh, have a really uh, awesome good news segment today, and we're going to get to that. But we have to take a quick break first. Something in your refrigerator could kill you. We'll tell you what it is when we return. Is it peas? After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Today's show is brought to you by Dame. Discover your pleasure with Dame's thoughtfully engineered toys. Dame offers a wide variety of toys and accessories, including curated sets designed for use by yourself or with partners. Dame is amazing. One of my favorite toys is their flexible vibrator. It's called Palm, P-O-M. It's soft. It has a body that bends to your needs and contours to your shape. Palm has five different intensities and covers solid real estate, so you can relax in the way that best suits you. I absolutely love it. Plus, it's made out of medical-grade silicon, And it's waterproof, which means you can take it with you wherever you want to go. The design is fantastic. It's very simple. It's lovely. It comes in five different patterns, nests right in the palm of your hand. It's so easy to use. Palm is a great way to de-stress, and I highly recommend it. Dame offers discreet shipping, hassle-free returns, and a lot of fun. So get 10% off your first order at dameproducts.com when you use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. Find your vibe with Dame at dameproducts.com and use code DAILYBEANS. Also, today's show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. As you know, sleep is my favorite thing, but it eluded me for so very long uh, until I finally figured out I was sleeping on a mattress made for someone else. And that's when I went to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and took their two-minute online sleep quiz and they matched me with a Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm mattress. It's the perfect mattress for me. I get the best night's sleep of my life. I fall asleep fast. I stay asleep all night. I wake up feeling refreshed and alert, and I'm not sore. They have a variety of mattresses available to fit the way you sleep. Soft, medium, firm, 
temperature regulating, plus size mattress for plus size sleepers, spinal alignment mattresses, all to make sure you get the best sleep of your life. As you know, Helix is awesome, but you don't have to take my word for it. They have over 12,000 five-star reviews, and they were the number one overall mattress pick in GQ and Wired Magazine in 2020. Helix is also recommended by leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine to improve sleep. They have free shipping, a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 sleeps without risk. They will come pick it up and remove it, give you a full refund if you don't love it, but you will. Plus, there's financing options available. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows to listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, misheard song lyrics, cat photos, pet photos, anything you want to send to us, let me know what you think of the new good news jingle that that we made. Yes. Uh, I'd like to know if you enjoy that. Um, You can send everything in at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. Again, if you listen to the Daily Beans and you're subscribed and you want to keep getting the Daily Beans in your feed, make sure you're following the proper Daily Beans. There's an imposter out there. Actually, it's the exact same show. You can't tell the difference. But you can make sure you're following the right one. If you're not a patron and you're not a supercaster, if you're a patron supercaster, your feed is premium. You, you don't have to worry about this. But if you're not a paid subscriber, go to apple.co slash beans, all lowercase. That is the proper show to follow so that when we archive the other one, you won't miss a show. All right. First up from Jonathan, pronouns he and him. Greetings, AG and DG. I apologize in advance for my long message, but your show on Friday really touched home with me when, in the show closing, you said to get outside and take some pictures of beautiful things. You see, I started taking photos just about a year ago with a camera I inherited from my dad when he passed away unexpectedly just days after his 71st birthday. I had never really been into photography, but during the long months of COVID quarantine, taking pictures became my escape, my time to forget about the mess around me. This past week has been especially tough for me. I'm a high school science teacher in the northern San Diego area a husband of an elementary school teacher and father to three beautiful seven-year-olds. Triplets. Triplets. I've also recently come to grips with the fact that I've been suffering on and off with depression for years, and I finally reached out to get some help. My good news this week is that despite all of the sadness, grief, and worry that surround us, there is indeed still some beauty in this world. I've spent some time this past week shooting pictures of things I find beautiful, and I've shared some with you. I hope you like them. Thanks for all you do. Keep fighting the good fight. You can go to Jonathan underscore Umlor, U-M-L-O-R underscore photography on Instagram to see more. Oh, bee. Oh, beautiful. Look at the bees. There's a big bee and a little bee. So, so beautiful. It's probably not a bee. It's probably something else. But look at it. (gasps) Thank you. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And that's just wonderful uh, that you're using that camera and... And doing that for your for your self care. Thank you for sending that in, Jonathan. And big ups to uh, to you and, and your amazing wife for being teachers. Absolutely. Okay, this is from Susie. Pronouns she and her. Dear AG and DG, the good news is I just became a member and absolutely adore you as you are beautiful, funny, talented, and loving women. Thank you so much, Susie. Yeah. You speak the truth, which is rare these days. I'm in awe of you. 
You are the change we need to see and be in this world. What a beautiful beginning. That warmed my heart. I'm a retired teacher of over 32 years, teaching and loving my kids. Student is too formal for me. I love that. A gay married woman and a woman who believes we must stand up, speak the truth, and fight for the rights and safety of all people. It's your podcasts that give me hope and the drive to do everything possible to make this world a better place. Included below is a pic of our beloved sweet dog, Francis. He's 11 years old and brings so much joy, laughter, and comfort to our family. Thanks for all you do and keep shining. What a lovely message, Susie. Thank you. After a very hard couple of weeks for a lot of us. Oh, this baby. And thank you for your 32 years of teaching. Seriously. It's a teacher's episode today. I love it. it. Look at this baby. (laughs) I can hear a bag of treats from a mile away. I can't. Oh, look at the sleepy one. Oh, these are so cute. Thank you. Thank you so much for submitting this. I appreciate you so much. Next up from Ross, pronouns he and him. I've been following Muller She Wrote in the Daily Bean since the kitchen days. You've been my beacon of hope and alternate news source for quite a while now. Because my parents did, and the people I was around in the Air Force were highly invested in the Republican ticket for many years, I voted straight ticket Republican. However, my experience in the military, a year working outside government, and starting graduate school expanded my views. I spent 2000 in Florida experiencing the hanging chads. <laughs> I also saw how Howard Dean's candidacy celebration with Joan Jett and the yell in person. <laughs> Earlier this month, my wife graduated from the University of Connecticut with a PhD in developmental biology and genetics. Fuck yeah. She's one of the most intelligent people I know and is a wonderful mother to our two children. I've included a picture from her graduation. Can you see the pun? I've also attached a picture of the daily experience of raising our wonderful children and what that entails. All right. Can I see the pun? Do you see the pun? I don't see the pun. I don't either. Is, is it going to be given to us? I don't know. Oh, look at these beautiful kids. Nope, they don't tell us what the pun is. What's My brain pun? is so done. So. Yeah, you need to get well. Soon. Someone tell us. Tell us. Yeah, write in and tell us what the pun is. I don't see it. Yes, please. Okay. Okay. This is from Mo, pronoun she and her, a special session of Beans Court. Dong, dong. Here we go. I'm a generation older than you, last of the baby boomers. In my youth and early adulthood, 1960 to 1970, queer was a bad word. Super negative and dehumanizing. Being gay at the time was so hard. Most were in the closet still. I was in San Francisco from 1972 to 1974, so things were a bit more open, but not good. And now I know LGBTQ are reclaiming the word, so I'm trying hard to adjust, but it still makes me uncomfortable. My question, how do I get my daughter to understand and not consider it a rejection of her and her lifestyle, even though she's quite aware that's not true? the question. How do I get my daughter to understand? Got it. That is, yeah, a tough word for her to hear. Yeah. My pet tax is a group of goslings, and I had to chase about one-fourth mile to get them around the fence (laughs) that the three parents flew over and left them. Oh my God. dicks, dude. Oh, man. Look at these goslings. The geese are like, what the fuck's your problem, kids? I know. Come over the fence. All right. Let me think about this. Give this a moment. So, Mo, I I appreciate, uh, this is what I will say. My verdict in this case is that it's a hung jury (laughs) and that both of you are right. 
And so if there's a way for you and your daughter to be able to have this conversation, because earlier in the second paragraph, you said you're trying, you are trying, but there is, there's a visceral response to a word. And for our community, queer was bad. Beer bottles, bad things happen. Police. This isn't just a, you know, a word that, that has been thrown around. It had action behind it that were bad consequences. So my suggestion, maybe, if you can find a movie, stories, articles back in the day about what that was, the ramification of being labeled, labeled a queer, I think it might be able to get her to understand the power behind the word and have a little more patience with her sweet mom about maybe not, you know, being able to get on board right away. And on the other side of the coin... It sounds like you are doing the work Mm -hmm. to understand that may be a word that she is taking power back from. And that's a beautiful thing. And so I think it's going to be an exercise in patience for both of you. But I think there is a middle ground where you can honor both, both of you in this, in this conversation. And if your daughter is in, it sounds like she's a wonderful human being. She was raised by you. So I imagine she is. I imagine she's open to hearing this and reading up on it and understanding the power behind the word. It may not change the way she identifies. It may actually make her care about that identification more, if that makes sense. Or at least understand why, why it impacts you negatively. Exactly. You know. Sometimes I get a little wordy with this stuff. AG's got it down. No, I don't. Yeah, I but I think you're on the right track, and I think just open dialogue about this. But definitely, you know, there are videos, there are news articles, there are movies. Introduce her to some of them. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being so open about this, Mo. That's so good. That's just, I love that ability to chat about it and speak about it and and discuss things. We didn't do that when I was a kid. Yeah. We crammed it all down and went, "Mm -mm, we don't talk about that stuff. Right. We talked about everything in my family, especially at times where we're like, Mo, we're eating. We're at the dinner (laughs) table. Come on. I still like in, oh, what was the movie? I think it was St. Elmo's Fire where everything the mothers talked about at like all the gossip at the dinner table, if it was, it was something, you know, scandalous, she'd whisper it. So she'd be like, yeah. So, you know, have you heard about John cancer, you know, and she yeah, (laughs) do it that way. But yeah, that seriously, Mo, thank you for that. Next up from Connie. Hello, I'm a new listener to your podcast and as a 60 year old staunch feminist, single mom of the world's most amazing autistic Asperger's kid, I am thrilled to find your straight-talking, factual, enlightened podcast. Wow, Connie, thank you. My son and I live a very busy life and for physical reasons too long to get into, cannot go out to protest various social injustices we see. Instead, we have found another way for our voices to be heard and we thought we'd share it with you to show uh, that where there's a will, there's a way. Never give up. The struggle is worth the effort. The picks I've included are but a sample of what is actually on my car. (laughs) Thanks for all you do. We appreciate you. All right. So we have people matter more than property. Get in some good trouble protest. We the people versus corporate greed. Which one do you want? Uh, Controlling society. We have universal health care and free education for all, not just for the rich. Love it. Give people homes. Shelter is a human right, not a privilege. Live and let live with the pride flag. Uh, If my stickers piss you off. You probably don't believe in democracy. You probably don't believe in democracy. <laughs> Black Lives Matter. Defund the police. Invest in people. Oh, this there's just so many here. Don't, what is it? Save 
pollinators, pollinators pull weeds, weeds, don't, don't spray, spray them. them. Save the bees. Got to save feminist, the bees. Feminist and proud of it. Uh, bleeding heart liberal. At least I have one. <laughs> nice. And do unto others as you would have them do unto you. No nukes, no wars, no violence. This is amazing. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Connie. I love it. We've got good people listening. Yes, yes, we do. Thank you so much, AG. All right, this is from JoJo, pronouns she, her. Hi there. Love the pod. Been listening forever. You all help me so much with the shit show of the world that we have. You all have been my constant companions through moves, jobs, commutes, everything. So thank you from the depths of my heart. Okay, so my good news is that my partner's cat has sort of warmed me up to, has sort of warmed up to me. Oh. Yeah, it's only taken like six years, which is how long we've been together. But this kid, this kitty is weird. Meet Moxie. She loves having her window open so she can stare at a fence. She will allow her select few to pick her up, but it's mostly comfortable on her back with her legs sticking straight up like she's a toy. Will not accept any pets past her shoulders and will walk into a room and sit in the middle so all occupants come in and pet her. She's a weirdo and I'll be attaching a pic of me straining our tenuous relationship. This sounds, She sounds like me. I love it. Honestly, walk into a room, wait for everyone to come and pet me. Pet you. Nope, yep. Don't go below the shoulders. Yeah, yep. it's, I'm very similar. You get it. Again, keep up the fight. I had to tap out for myself recently after about a four day reset. I'm back in and sending letters to my fuck face of a governor and senator. <laughs> I'm in Texas and I got some shit to say here. And my last letter to real life semi sentient cooked noodle Raphael Ted Cruz was 14 pages. And that was around Barrett's confirmation. So I got some new things to holler about. Bye. <laughs> oh, God, look at this cat. Yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, I can really, I can, I, I connect with this cat. I am also very impressed that there's a shuttlecock balancing on this cat's head that just isn't going anywhere. <laughs> when you put something on a cat's head, they sort of freeze like, what? What is that? Yep. So it sort of helps if you want to balance something weird on there. Uh, but yeah, it takes me six years to warm up to people. Don't touch me below the shoulders. I will come into the center of the room and you come and pet me. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll stare out the window at a fence for a very long time. So I can really you, relate. You, you basically warmed up to AG. Mm -hmm. It yeah. took six years. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sending these in. If you have any good news stories or anything you want to send us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Also, if you are not a patron, not a not a supercaster, but you want to keep getting this show, make sure you're listening to the right one by going to apple.co slash beans, all lowercase, and follow and subscribe there. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here today? I do not. Yeah, you need to get some rest. Rest your voice. Rest your face. No, rest my face and my voice. And, um, and uh, we will be back tomorrow in your ears, hopefully with more good news. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Until then, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. And vote blue over Q. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. M-S-W-Media. <laughs>